You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys Podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Okay, <laughs> welcome to the DIY Recording Guys Podcast. I'm Vadim. And I'm Ben. <laughs> we're getting right to we're getting right to the point today. Yeah, let's trim it down. I figured I'd um, yep. just slim mine down as well. I'm Vadim. That's it. It's all you need to know. Vadim and Ben, easy. That's right. The Vadim and Ben show. <laughs> How's it going, dude? It's going good, man. It's going really good. Um, I've been furiously practicing bass for a new Nafel song that Ooh. I'm doing my music video shoot section of this Sunday. Okay. So I'm pumped for that. Very cool. It's probably, it's probably the hardest part that I've had to like learn learn to play. So, really, I'm a little bit. Uh, oh yeah, it's kind of it's kind of insane. Cause our guitar player wrote a lot of it, and he wrote it in a weirdly tuned bass, and I'm playing it in standard tuned. No, um, drop A tuned five string. Mm. So I had to change some parts around to make it work. Gotcha. And it makes the part significantly harder. <laughs> But I'll, I'll make it work. That reminds me of, um, you know, the Meshuggah song Bleed? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, so the, the Meshuggah is a similar type of thing as Nafel, I guess, where everybody's writing parts. They're they're writing parts for the other musicians and they're doing it right. in like <clears throat> virtual instruments or like, you know, guitar pro or whatever they're doing. And so then, you know, they bring the drummer these like insane... <laughs> foot patterns that they've come up with and he apparently that song he really struggled with at the Thomas time Hake. i guess he had to he took like three months to just like relax and like play it you know with a click click track and get faster and faster and faster i've seen him do it live a couple of times and it's just like it's mind-boggling yeah well there's some weird polyrhythms happening in that because his his right hand is keeping the tempo but the feet are in a completely different time signature. So, yeah, the feet. It's actually a simple great. pattern to go slow because I've, I've you can watch it on YouTube. Slow down. It's like a yeah. It's mm-hmm. called like a, a herda beat or something, or I forget what type what that is called. But now mm-hmm. imagine just doing that like super duper fast. Like I can't even do it with my hands. He's doing that with his feet while you know, know. doing the quarter notes on the hi-hat and the snare <laughs> yeah crazy. anyway it just reminded me of that because you have some guitarists some cocky guitarists arranging your <laughs> bass parts for you and then you have to figure out how the hell to play it so kudos to i you love for, have uh, you ever seen that meme where it's um the first sc- the first uh screen grab is guitarist prepared bass part and it's somebody handing a bowl of cereal to to a bass player sitting at a table and then the next frame is the bass player just throwing the bowl of cereal onto the floor. <laughs> that's that's me and the fell every single time. Yeah, yeah, good. No, I I'm basically sure gonna... any t- any time they send or because our lead guitar player he does a lot of the writing. He's like he's very good at writing that kind of stuff. So he normally has the first ideas and he'll send it over. And I pretty much send that meme every single time I get like a bass line from those guys. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You got to make it your own. Exactly. Yeah, what's new with you, man? How are things going? Dude, things are going well. I'm uh, busy. You know, it's the end of the year. Uh, we're coming oh, up yeah. on the Christmas holiday. And 
yeah, I got a couple songs that I'm I'm trying to to get out before the end of the year, and uh, it's fun. It's fun, fun stuff working on. It's music. always good, man. Let's get into our episode. This is um, I don't know what the title is going to be yet. Something like using FX pedals as outboard gear, and um, yeah, let's get into it, man. I know uh, you know Ben, you're you're not an outboard gear guy. I'm like a hybrid guy. Not yet. And, <laughs> not what you're not an outboard guy outboard gear guy yet not yet okay i think i will eventually yeah when okay when you say outboard do you mean like um send processing stuff after you've already converted it or do you mean like any outboard gear like outside of your computer great question like, yes in this case in this episode we're talking about you've already have recorded tracks and now you want to use quote-unquote outboard gear we'll talk about what that means in like the mixing process or to create some effect. And I actually have that as a note is like what I'm considering outboard gear for the sake of this episode is anytime you're taking audio from your DAW, from your computer, sending it out of your system through some black box, which is doing something to it, and then back into your system. So that's what I'm calling out. Okay, okay. Thank you for defining that. Yes. Thank you for asking it. Throwing me the alley-oop there. So examples are, like, you might be listening to this episode and thinking, like, look, I'm all in the box. I don't have any outboard gear. I don't care about this episode. I'm going to listen to something else. But I will challenge you that you probably do have some outboard gear. Because, again, we're talking about things like FX pedals. In fact, I I got this one for my birthday this year. I actually haven't played around with it too much yet. It's like a little Jimi Hendrix fuzz. This could nice. be used. You could run a vocal track through this with what we're going to talk about today. And who knows? That might sound really cool. That could be your sound. So that's uh, expanding on that. So, like, you know, you might think to yourself, there's a plugin, there's a fuzz plugin, I'm sure, for free, probably. Why would you ever <laughs> use outboard gear for something that you can do in the box? And so I'll give a couple of reasons here. We can talk about these. My first reason is just, creativity because again like it's fun to run pianos through guitar pedals when do you ever get to do that right absolutely so that's one portion of it another portion that works for me a lot is the physicality of like i've actually literally taken my pedal board my guitar pedal board which has you know six seven pedals on it put it on my desk and i'm running audio through it and just like turning all the knobs and like the physicality of that is that it's just like a creative workflow type of thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's another one. And then along with that is automation. Like if you, um, you can, you can write automation in, um, in your DAW, obviously, but you have to do it with kind of like your pencil tool or your mouse here. We can do it again, just by hitting record and like turning knobs and getting interesting effects. In fact, Mm-hmm. I was in a studio once where what they did at the very end of a mix, they would take the mix as it was, the stereo output of the mix, maybe just the instrumental bus, I think. They would take the instrumental bus and route it out through a, um, what's it called? The um, space echo. Mm. That weird like stereo delay box that has like a tape running in it. They would send the whole instrumental bus through that, play the whole song through and just turn and play with like the decay time and all this feedback and all this stuff. And they would record that. So now they would have a stereo track of this weird, swirly, phasey stuff that they would just blend in very quietly with the mix. 
and it created this like push pull interesting thing that is bizarre yeah it's a cool Very technique cool, i watching it i was like wow they're playing this device like an instrument and then blending that in to get something one of a kind it's like a performance okay my question is was that a genre specific or creativity inspired thing or would they do that for any mix that's a great question i don't know this was like a pretty straightforward like punk rock mix but like pop interesting punk. it was like a pop punk yeah. mix but it just the element it added i could see it working in lots of different genres it has to be a busier production i think for that for that okay. type of thing to work that's very cool though yeah it's a it's a cool technique i mean you could do it with plugins again also but it's just fun to have the the physicality of it that's pretty much the reasons that I could think of. You got anything else you want to add there as to why we may want like, to do this? You took all my reasons, basically, <laughs> but I will I will say, and I don't have nearly as much experience as, as you or other engineers do in this field, but one thing I will say about you know being a guitar player and playing with some analog gear is there's something that's like very much more tactile and smooth about even not even just the way that our hands interact with like physical objects, but also like the, and now it is pedal and effect dependent, but I feel like there's a lot more discrete steps and smoothing whenever you were changing and dialing in mm. knobs than we would have with like a plugin or something. I guess we're, we would be talking in the box here, but uh, when we're talking ones and zeros or whatever, the programming language or the software has been programmed to do like we're not talking about like even i use the um a good example of this is i use the uh the slate um virtual mix rack for a lot of my mixing and yeah those plugins are great but like i've had this weird issue lately where uh they'll jump from you know being completely off or in a neutral position and then they'll jump up to the 0.1 position instead of the 0.01 position. And it's like a, a very noticeable like increase in oh. tone or whatever it's doing. And I know that that's like an actual, that's an error that they have to remedy on their end. But it does bring up a good point of like, what do those micro, micro steps even mean versus <laughs> like an analog switch? Like, I feel like that there's more there uh, in the discrete dialing in of these certain oh, effects than you get yeah, with a plugin. It, it's certainly something also about like a knob, like a knob not having a number. It I feel like yeah. you you you're not as inclined to make it more as precise. And also maybe because it doesn't have to be like every time you turn it on it it prob the knob position probably means something slightly different and you kind of just don't care. You know, you're okay yeah. with that. So yeah that that's no, a good point. Yeah that's an interesting one. I, I like that. So let's say you want to do it. How to do it? Okay, to do it, we need to think about, we need to go way back, way back in time, Ben. Yeah. Is your cue? Way back. <laughs> way back. <laughs> Thought you were going to do that. <laughs> whoop, 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 or whatever. Oh, the, yeah. The noise. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I, have, I have a plug-in for that. There... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So back to episode two, where we talked about the signal flow. Right, so you have a recorded sound, as Ben, you mentioned, it's digital, it's ones and zeros, it lives in your DAW, you can touch it there. So first thing we gotta do is we gotta get that sound out of the DAW. So to get the sound out of the DAW, we need to route it 
to our DA converter. That takes it from digital, makes it analog. So we do this by, you have your track that's recorded. You set the output of that track to a physical output on your interface. So let's just call it output three for now. So now at output three, you have a line level low impedance signal. You can plug a cable into it and you can do something with that signal. So now we need to consider, okay, what is our device looking for? And this is where we talk about impedance. If you remember our impedance for dummies episode, which we did, we have to think a little bit about what our gear wants. So if we have something like an outboard compressor, great. It already wants a line level low impedance signal or a mixer already wants that. So we can just plug directly from our output into the input of that gear. But when we're talking about guitar pedals, it's a different beast. Guitar pedals are looking for a guitar signal. And a guitar signal right. is a high impedance or very quiet signal. So if we just blast our line level signal directly into a guitar pedal, it's probably going to sound like garbage because it's going to be overwhelming, overloading the circuitry, and it's going to be clipping or distorting or otherwise not, not making any sense. So what do we do ben what can we do we need a we need a box <laughs> to transform <laughs> we need another black box that can transform the audio into the impedance that we need right yeah so um commonly called a reamp box i have one but it's back there i'm not going to dig it out but a reamp box is a mine is yellow but yeah it's a it could be a black box so basically <laughs> what it does is it takes a line level signal in and it spits out a um an instrument level signal or a high impedance signal and what's cool about those boxes for reamping the the reason people use them for reamping is the little volume knob on that box acts in a, the same way as the volume knob on your guitar so oh, cool. you can record a guitar DI and then coming out of the reamp box, you can still drive your amp different amounts by playing with the volume knob on that thing. So, so what go ahead. What is the difference between a reamp box and a DI box? Could you use a DI box? Um they're kind of doing the opposite things. I I feel okay. like a reamp box is like a DI box in reverse, right? In a in a in a DI box you're 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 taking the high impedance signal as an input and now you're outputting a low impedance signal. Whereas with a reamp box you're taking a low impedance signal as an input and you're outputting yeah. a high impedance signal. So can, you're asking can you use it in reverse? Can you use a DI I in reverse? Yeah, and I'm wondering if you can. I swear I've heard an engineer talk about you can use it in reverse. But maybe a passive you have to have one the you right can use in reverse. Maybe, and you would have to have the right connectors as well. Yeah, I could see that because a passive, I think passive DIs are using transformers. And okay, I think you might be able to get away with that. An active one, I'm not sure. That's a good question. My guess is no, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. But don't worry I if mean, you don't have a, good, a reamp box because we'll talk about a workaround. But in any, if you do have one, that's that's the best way to do it. So you can now now you have a low impedance signal, or sorry, a high impedance signal. You could plug it into your guitar pedal, or your guitar pedal chain, and great, you can mangle the sound through your guitar pedal chain. And then coming out of that guitar pedal, we need to get back into the DAW. So now we have a high impedance signal, just like recording a guitar, we would plug it into a either a DI box or a high impedance um, input, like a instrument yep. level input on your interface. And 
you create a new track in your DAW, and now you can record onto that new track your mangled signal, right? Very cool. So the cool thing, the reason this is a cool workflow also is like the way I like to do this is I'll loop up like a chorus in the song and I'll be monitoring that track that I'm recording that's going through my chain and I'm twisting, sitting there, twisting all my pedals and my knobs, clicking stuff on and off, figuring, dialing in what I want, which is something you never get to do as a guitarist. You never get to be playing nope. a riff and twisting your pedal knobs at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. So that's cool. So usually I'll dial stuff in like that, and then you know I'll record the track when I'm when I'm ready to record it. So, a couple of things to note here. First, though, I mentioned you may not have a reamp box, and if you don't, that's fine. We can think about what we need to do. We have a signal, our line level signal coming out of our interfaces too loud. So literally, what you can do is take the output fader of that track on your DAW, pull it way, way, way down, and you'll be okay. You'll be able to get through the guitar pedal. It's a gain staging problem, right? So in, you could take that low impedance signal as long as your noise floor is low enough, which it should be if you're recording 24-bit audio, which you should be. You can just pull the fader way, way down to minus 15, minus 16, wherever you need to get to until the chain sounds clear and you can really do it without a reamp box good to know yeah very good to know yep so feel free to try that out another thing I to have know a question yeah about this so when we're talking about impedance levels a very important thing is uh to keep in mind the cabling that can ha handle the correct impedance because I know that you're not supposed to use a speaker cable. No, you're not supposed to use an instrument cable for an application that needs a speaker cable because Definitely. the impedance is wrong and you'll blow something up. Yes. So I'm wondering about, um, is it as much of a concern coming out of the outputs of your line level signal out of the, the back of your converters? Because mm. those are supposed to be those would be balanced cables, correct, that normally would go out to your monitors. Right. So could you plug, do you want to always plug a balanced instrument cable or a quarter inch into your into your pedal? Or could you plug an instrument cable into that? That is a great question. I actually, let me think about that. I, I think it depends in part on what the connector looks like. So a balanced cable, if you remember, uh, has three, right? It's a TRS. It has three kind of segments on the tip, whereas an instrument cable only has two. So you're by putting in an instrument cable into a, a line level jack, you are effectively shorting out two of the segments, which in most cases is okay, especially because we're dealing... Uh, well, let me think about that. For an output, you may want to be careful. That's a good question, Ben. I, my, my guess is you'd want to connect a balanced cable to the output to keep, because the output does have a voltage across it and just to keep from shorting the two things. I don't, it probably won't hurt anything, but I'm not gonna swear by that. My guess I think is- that's safe. And I don't, have the, I don't have the answer either. I just literally thought of it on no, the No, that's spot. a great, so that's a great question, spot. yeah. <laughs> my guess is that you'd be better served plugging in a three, a TRS cable into a guitar pedal, my guess is you'd be able to get away with that. 
there there might actually be some um writing about that in a manual or something like that whenever it's talking about connecting outboard gear it might it might say in your converter manual like always connect to balanced right trs thing right yeah absolutely i just don't know because i've never had to worry about that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's a that's a good point Another thing to note is that anytime our signal is going through converters, so whether analog to digital or digital to analog, those converters are basically taking, like, let's say an analog signal and converting it into ones and zeros. That process takes time. It's a computer process. Time means latency. So anytime we do this, we're going to introduce latency into our process, which means when you record your processed track through your outboard gear back into your DAW, you can zoom in on the waveforms and you might see that there's a difference in the starting point of the waveform. So the waveform that you had originally might start a little bit sooner than the waveform you recorded. You can get around this a couple of ways. One is if you set your buffer size low enough, sometimes you could get it to where the latency is negligible. Okay, so where what you've recorded is effectively at a functionally a, a identical starting point to where you started. But if you can't do that, it's a manual but simple fix. You just grab the waveform and nudge it back to match the original one and everything will still be in time. I'm thinking, I'm, that's a really great point. And I'm thinking too, like in scenarios where you would be mangling like your whole stereo mix, sometimes I use plugins that introduce a lot of latency. Mm. And I wonder, in Studio One, they have this really cool feature where it, uh, there is a, tiny number in the bottom left corner of the screen that shows you it's a latency monitor yeah and i'm wondering if you could just do the calculation and say oh i know it's introduced this much latency all i have to do is just slide this track back that's recorded by that exact amount totally and even more than that some DAWs will actually let you put in that latency number mm. and then it'll automatically time align everything just like when we do with you know when you run a bunch of different plugins on your tracks your DAW will automatically account for which plugin, which track has the most latency, and it'll kind of delay all the other tracks so that everything plays together. You can do that with an outboard chain in some DAWs as well. You can tell it, hey, I got 200 sample delay here, whatever it is, um, right. adjust for it. So sometimes you could do that automatically, but if not, you can always do it manually, yeah. Awesome. Yes. Uh, let's see what else. Um, another thing that comes up a lot of times online, you'll see this where people say to do this, you can't do it with a, uh, two channel interface, something like a Scarlet 2i2. And the reason is, it was a couple of reasons. One is that you only have two outputs on those interfaces and those are usually connected to your speakers, right? <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, you can do it if you're careful the challenge with doing it is if you take an output, you have to watch out not to get crazy feedback because anytime you have an output connected to something and then back to an input and that input is connected to the output and the output is connected to the input, you get feedback. That's what you don't want. So you have to get a little creative to avoid that. Some ways to avoid that, for example, would be if you can take your track, you're going to have to unplug your speakers to do this. But if you can, or uh, one of your speakers anyway, say I take my track and I say, okay, route the output just to output two. It's mono, right? And then I take output two through my guitar pedal chain into input one. 
you have to make sure then that input one is not routed to output two because then you'll have a feedback loop. So you do that by turning off the direct monitor <coughs> on your interface mm. so that the inputs aren't routed right to the outputs. And mm. you in your DAW then, you can monitor through output one, which is not going through your guitar chain, if that makes sense. You might have to that makes rewind sense. this and listen to it again if you missed that. <laughs> But I promise you, you can do it. I've done it in a pinch, just to just to see <laughs> if I could. That's a very important note. I'm glad you included that. You will blow your ears out. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's a panic moment. You're ripping the headphones off because you're getting the the horrible screeching noise. We've yeah, all done because it. it would in instantly get infinitely loud. Yes, very quickly. Yes. <laughs> So that's pretty much it. I encourage you to try this. You probably have some effects pedals laying around. You might even have some old like tape decks or something. You can get creative with this stuff. I have an old like four track tape recorder that has a, a pitch control where it just adjusts the tape speed. You can do some oh, really cool. cool stuff with that. And um, another famous one is Radiohead. Uh, if you've ever heard, I, I feel like they do this all the time where at the end of a Radiohead track, It'll just go like, like a like a spin down effect. Yes, and they're, that's how they do it. They basically run the whole mix through like um, a stereo delay unit, and then they just hit the power button off on the delay unit, and you oh. get that tape winding down speed. It's actually like the tape machine slowing down. It's a very cool effect. Interesting. I never kn knew how it was done. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. You've inspired me, Vadim. I'm very curious even just to throw a drum mix through like a distortion pedal and play around with uh, the different knobs. I I will say I've tried the the the, the I, I actually typically don't do this on drums because I don't want to deal with phase issues. But if you were going to do like a whole drum mix, yeah, mm -hmm. you could you could definitely do that. I've done some of that. That actually is very cool. I've run a Exactly what you said. I've run a drum mix through like a distortion unit and just like crunched it up and it, it sounded pretty cool. The problem is that now you have a stereo track for your drums and you can't go back and like adjust stuff, right? Yeah, you'd have to make sure that it was even even from the standpoint of like what you said at the beginning of maybe you take that something super mangled and you just blend it in or you use it as an effect at some point of a song. It could be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, one of one of my favorite things to do this with is guitar lines, but I'll run them through. I have um a delay pedal called the Carbon Copy Delay. Oh yeah, I know the Carbon Copy. Yeah, it's pretty 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 famous. It's a, it's a great sounding delay pedal and that's what I do. I'll run tracks through it and just turn the knobs back and forth and like get this smeary landscape that's constantly changing and it, it makes for a cool ambience. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Good hack, man. It's like recording life hacks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So play around with it. See what you can come up with. And I look forward to hearing your creations. If you have any uh, cool ones you've tried successfully or unsuccessfully, feel free to share them with us in the Facebook group or via email. That's all I got. Until next time, it's the DIY Recording Guys wishing you happy holidays and yes. reminding you to check yourself before you wreck yourself.
you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.